This month, TribCast is focusing on mental health issues in the La Crosse area. And according to the National Alliance on Mental Health, about one in five adults in the United States suffer from mental illness each year. If you or someone you know needs help, don't hesitate to call 911-211 or dial 608-784-4357. Hello, you're listening to Turpcast, the flagship podcast of the Lacrosse Tribune, and I'm Jordan Vianne, filling in for our usual host, Scott Rada, who is out on assignment right now. I am joined by producer Vesma Amer and our guest, Army veteran Samuel Hip. Sam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Samuel Hip. I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I served from 2008 till 2014. Um, spent uh, multiple deployments and spent combat time in Iraq and um, was medically retired and now I'm here in the Toma area. All right, so um, you say that uh, you were medically retired. Was that connected to post-traumatic stress disorder? Um, It was connected with post-traumatic stress disorder and um, what's known as TBI, which stands for uh, traumatic brain injury. I sustained Mm -hmm. multiple concussions from indirect fire and other blasts while in combat. So um, we asked you here today to tell us a little bit about what PTSD is and, you know, just as importantly, what it's not. So just (laughs) tell me a little bit about what post-traumatic stress disorder is. Like, how does it manifest in people? It's, it's easy to start kind of with what post-traumatic stress disorder is not. Mm-hmm. Um, several years ago, you would see it in movies, um, television episodes portrayed as a person just um, going into an enraged state, throwing stuff, breaking stuff, hurting people, things like that. Um, and that caused a lot of fear with people, and that actually is not the case at all. Um, mostly with PTSD, it is actually a protective nature. Um, either someone protecting themselves or protecting others around them, which is a big misconception. Most people who struggle with PTSD, having a major attack, having a major episode, they're more likely to implode than explode, per se. It's begun to kind of take a turn as I've talked with people and done more education on the matter. Um, you know, whether with civilians or other counselors. Unfortunately, a lot of society is understanding it more now because it's being identified specifically with survivors of sexual assault. And I get that a lot when people talk with me. They, they'll say, you know, I, I was sexually assaulted. Um, you know, it's, it's not as bad as yours. Yours is worse or mine's worse. And I always have to correct that statement. As far as PTSD goes, there is no better or worse. There's just Mm -hmm. different. And I like to give the analogy a lot of fruit. And I explain this by saying, you know, you have an apple and you have an orange. And if you attribute mental health symptoms to that, 
they're both round, so let's say anxiety. A survivor of sexual assault can have anxiety. A person with combat PTSD can have anxiety. So they share that aspect in common. You know, seeds on the inside, let's say. Yeah. And let's give that as like, you know, trouble sleeping. So we both have trouble sleeping. Sure. And then you can attribute just playing the colors to like, let's say orange would be a mistrust of men in general, mm-hmm. whereas red is, I hate fireworks, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're different. Yeah. But they're both fruit. It's the same thing. There's just certain things that will set it off differently with people. And um, it still falls under the same category. And it's nice that seeing a veteran doesn't spark a whole bunch of, oh my gosh, what if he has PTSD? Its manifestations can vary uh, differently in people with a lot of soldiers and the soldier's perspective. From my own Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of the people I've served with, the Army kind of teaches you basically to to look to your left. And you have a person to your left that you're looking out after. Mm-hmm. And that person's looking to another person to their left. And it goes in a circle. Um, yeah. So the person that's standing on your right is actually, you know, they're looking to their left. They're looking out after you. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take one person out of that circle, the circle kind of closes up. And the person that was standing to your right is now looking to his left, you know, looking at the Mm -hmm. person who was to your left that you were looking out after. Well, the problem is, is the person that, you know, let's say you, that were taken from this circle, you're still looking to your left. And you don't have someone looking to your right. So this is where a lot of veterans... um, PTSD will manifest, myself included. This is where mine was. I was very, mm-hmm. very protective of my children. I, I'd get extremely protective of strangers. Mm-hmm. Just anyone or anything, it's this need to, to protect someone while at mm-hmm. the same time I didn't look straight ahead realizing I needed to protect myself and yeah. you know, make sure that I was taking care of myself. I guess... We can get right into it with <laughs> sure. a lot of the other manifestations. Um, yeah. Me personally, I deal with uh, some social anxiety through a lot of programs, dealing with exposure therapy through the Toma VA. I was able to um, start to work on that slowly mm-hmm. at a time. We would um, we'd go into situations that were similar to combat, um, public situations, sure. stores, that we didn't know. Um, A lot of veterans will specifically, they will only go to the same store Mm -hmm. and they'll only go there at two in the morning when there's no one else there. And we, they fall into these Mm -hmm. really unhealthy habits. Like it's a matter of going where, you know, where there's something that you know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll walk into a building, I'll immediately scan the room. I know where every exit is. I can pick somebody out in a room and be like, that's probably the person who would do something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, you're always thinking. It's it's the mm-hmm. training. And a lot of people will isolate due to that. So a lot of these exposure programs are based on getting someone into environments that they don't know. Uh, it's, it's a challenge. It's an extreme challenge. Myself, I was dealing with it for about 
seven or eight years since Iraq that mm -hmm. I had been cons consistently isolating myself more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So going to an going to a gas station in a new town that I hadn't been in was really crippling. It was it was mm -hmm. difficult. I get angry and frustrated. So uh, social anxiety is a, is a big portion with myself and with a lot of veterans I see. There's um, generalized anxiety as well. Mm -hmm. I kind of referenced this earlier, but I personally mm -hmm. don't like fireworks very much. Yeah. You know, explosions that I don't see them coming from or know when they're going to happen. Yeah. That can be really troubling. Sleep disturbances, mm -hmm. very common with veterans and with myself. And then there's some depression, and a lot of times these issues, when left untreated, coupled with the isolation, lead to self-medication, and that's mm -hmm. where a lot of veterans end up in trouble with the law, in jail, yeah. and, and or addicted, mm -hmm. whether it's drugs or drinking. Yeah. I myself used alcohol to self-medicate, and it really, really, damaged a big portion of my life and it took being told directly that you know you can you can stop drinking but you'll find another way to deal with this unless you deal with the actual PTSD um, yeah. in the process I learned the positives of PTSD the hyper awareness I <laughs> On my own volition, I took my two daughters, who are seven and three. I think mm -hmm. they were six and two at the time. Okay. I took them to the Mall of America on a Saturday. That is... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I... They got to ride the rides. We got to do what we needed to do there. And mm -hmm. after a couple hours, it was... It was, it was time to go. I was mentally done. Um, mm -hmm. They had done everything they wanted to do, more yeah. or less. And um, It's a lot of people. <laughs> and it was, it was interesting because I found myself at the opposite end of the mall mm -hmm. from where I was parked. And um, my daughter's mom, who had only ever seen the negative side, mm -hmm. She basically looked at me and was like, just just go to the car. Just find your own way out of here, go to the car. Because in the past, I would sit there and I'd go out to the parking lot, sit in the car, kind of cover my ears, and just wait till they got there. Yeah. But I looked at her and I was like, you know, you don't know how this works anymore, so watch this. <laughs> and um, I, I let the PTSD and the military training take over. Mm -hmm. And I sat down, or I kneeled down to my daughters, and I said, "Listen, we need to go." And they were they were a little disappointed, but they they understood that it was time to go. And I sure. said, "All right, there's a candy shop right by where we parked. You can pick something out if we can get over there. All right." And I gave them very clear instructions, and I treated it like a military escort mission. They mm -hmm. were holding hands, holding my hand. Mm -hmm. They were behind me. If I saw someone that looked kind of questionable, I'd put myself between that person and them. Mm -hmm. We made it in the most strategic straight line to the opposite end of the mall. And 
record time, actually. And we weren't yeah. running. Just they did yeah, their walking thing. with purpose. <laughs> yeah, we, they did their thing, and we got out to the car, and mm-hmm. their mom was just amazed because mm-hmm. she was like, I, don't think, I didn't think I'd ever see that. So it was a way to use it towards an advantage as well. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this isn't like the sort of thing that just goes away when you go to therapy. It's just a matter of finding ways to channel the feelings that you have or deal with them. I lived in several years of denial that I had PTSD because the first time I was told about it, I was told PTSD is incurable Hmm. and you'll never be okay. Okay. And I didn't like that feeling. So if I didn't accept the diagnosis, mm-hmm. then I didn't have it, then there wasn't a problem. That okay. would never go away. Don't try to do the math. <laughs> but, no, but, I get it. <laughs> <clears throat> and then one time a doctor looked at me and said, you know, you know, this is fixable, right? And it just totally blew me away. And mm-hmm. that's when I really really began to accept it because PTSD itself is an umbrella term of several different, you know, um, Mm -hmm. conditions kind of umbrellaed under something. And um, it's not something that you can necessarily cure with Mm -hmm. therapy, but I know one of the main goals, um, specifically at the Toma VA, because I can speak to the programs that I've been to there. Sure. The goal of it is to find ways that you can manage it and find tools to handle the negative aspects of it and use what you can to your advantage. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily go away, but it's not necessarily non-curable, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's like a, you know, your brain just sort of shifts to make it work for you. You adapt to it. Yeah. You develop tools and, you know, there, there are some days that it's almost a benefit. Mm-hmm. Like the mall situation, that was a benefit because when I tell that story, I've, I've had normal people who, who don't have PTSD <laughs> look at me like I'm insane. Like, why would you bring two children there on a Saturday? What's wrong with you? But um, <laughs> I did it to prove a point that I yeah. could. And, yeah. Um, it worked out really well. So, um, you mentioned a little bit about finding ways to cope with it. And um, you mentioned when you were speaking in front of the city council last fall that you had a drunk driving citation and it sort of woke you up. Um, What happens when you kind of have that moment where you're like, I need, I, I can't do this just by myself. I can't just power through it. What happens then? Back then, to to recap kind of what was said mm-hmm. and what you said, um, yeah, yeah, I had many, many years, probably about eight, nine years of issues with alcohol, and I ended up um, getting a DUI, which was kind of my rock bottom and wake up calling. And um, I remember the thought going through my head, I, I can't do this anymore. This is killing me. And um, that's when I started my basic recovery journey for a lot of your listeners who probably didn't know um, about that <laughs> sure. last fall. But um, yeah. in that way, 
it's tough. One of the biggest things about PTSD, whether it's from a sexual assault standpoint, a combat standpoint, a problematic child standpoint, is is the isolation factor. And that's, it's, all my days aren't great now, still. Mm-hmm. I have days that I just kind of don't want to, don't want to do things that day, I guess. I just don't want to do anything. And I wonder, you know, why have I done all this? And I, the negative cycle can get really, yeah, can get really into there. And a lot of times I've found that reaching out has been one of the best things to do. I've made a lot of friends through the program I was in. I encourage veterans that are listening to this, or if you know a veteran that sounds like anything I'm talking about, urge them to reach out. Every veteran that I talk to, the biggest thing that they realize is that they're not alone, and once they realize that, it's so much more helpful. Um, That connection piece is huge, just knowing you're not the only one that deals with this because, you know, PTSD is not... It's not a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, will claim or may see it as, oh, well, it's it's jumped in numbers in the past couple of years. Well, no, it hasn't jumped in numbers. We just we just found a term for it, of mm-hmm. what's been going on. I mean, military-wise, it was originally, um, there was a term for it from World War II in Vietnam. It was shell shock. And, yeah. And the terms, you know, adapted, but... Now it's no longer a military term. It's for it's for average people that go through traumatic experiences that change and affect their lives. But the isolation can be the same from any walk of life, I guess. I know, like for me, I was when I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression last summer. Like it was part of it was just I did not have the energy to be around people. Like, it was just easier to stay at home and, you know, watch the same three Netflix shows over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> I myself have had to force myself to go out. Mm-hmm. I've had to force myself. I'm, I'm not a very active, socially mm-hmm. bubbly person. I'm just not. And those people normally kind of irritate me. And I've had to make some friends with some of them. <laughs> and they've uh, they've approached me and been like, hey, I know you turned me down the last five times I told you to go out, but you are going out tonight because, you know, you're not right. Mm-hmm. You've been down a couple of days, like, we're going out tonight. And, oh, as irritated as I am at them for the first ten minutes, I know they're right. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something like that. Finding finding hobbies, finding stuff that you enjoy. I used to draw and paint and um, mm-hmm. play guitar all the time. And over time, I kind of just neglected doing those things. And getting back into the hobbies that I used to enjoy was also extremely beneficial, along with reaching out to, to people and definitely finding a way to occupy the time the silence is 
The silence is truly deafening mm -hmm. when dealing with depression, anxiety, insomnia, sleeping too much. Um, all of that can just gets magnified mm -hmm. by the isolation. It's really not good. As you've been, you know, going through different programs, uh, like you mentioned that you've been, you know, reaching out to people and working with them. Um, what has been, like, what is your big advice if, you know, if somebody needs something, if they, like, if they hear this and they recognize themselves, what should they do? Reach out. Definitely reach out. I know that I'm speaking mainly from a, a veteran standpoint because I, I'll speak about, you know, I'll speak about myself, but mm -hmm. I've, I've worked with sexual assault survivors. I hate to say this, but I unfortunately know several mm -hmm. um, sexual assault survivors and our experiences are completely different. But at the core of the issue, as I kind of said during mm -hmm. most of this podcast is uh, that a lot of the factors are the same and definitely reach out if you see someone in your life that is starting to do this bug them just you know talk to them yeah. reach out to them because me personally I'd rather have someone irritated with me than them to do something extreme and know that I could have stopped it yeah um, and you know sometimes young, so. just being depressed you're you just don't have the ability to reach out you just like I know for me like just the thought of picking up my phone to text somebody is like oh they're not gonna want to hear from me so <laughs> like it's always important to look keep an eye on your friends and family if they are being isolated if they are pulling back watching Push. for it is extreme <laughs> yeah Definitely push them. Um, this is during my time at the VA. I've seen many very stubborn old military veterans looking very grumpy, being dragged around the halls by their wife mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And it always cracks me up because I know that she was the one that grabbed him by the collar and was like, All right, you're going in, you're going to talk yep. to somebody. And even when they sit down, they're like, mm, I don't want to talk about anything. I'm like, mm-hmm, not going to be that easy. Um, nope. People do care. People really honestly do care. I know they do for a fact. Mm -hmm. And with, whether it's military specific, um, there's a lot of resources people don't realize. A lot of people know, you know, uh, there's a suicide hotline, but mm -hmm. there's also a suicide hotline you can text mm -hmm. if you're not a actual talk on the phone person. Yeah. You can send an email. Um, there are so many resources, just even if it's a stranger, at one of these hotlines or places that specialize in this sort of thing, they will talk to you. And honestly, You don't really have anything to lose by reaching out mm -hmm. it's a stranger and even if you think this is just 
it's not going to work, and this is dumb, and I don't want to burden anyone in my life with this. Okay, text one of these suicide hotlines or, you know, mental health hotlines. Text them. Because even if it doesn't go the way you plan, then, okay, well, mm -hmm. you gave it a shot, right? Yep. But I got a feeling that it's definitely going to benefit. A little bit of shameless self-advertising, I guess. Um, <laughs> again, from the military standpoint, if you know a veteran, you are a veteran, and you're hearing this, reach out specifically to the Toma VA. There's a lot of, there's a lot of veterans that are starting to come forward talking about PTSD and they're from different eras of war, um, mm -hmm. Vietnam, Desert Storm. You know, like I said earlier, we have a name for it now. We know what mm -hmm. it is now. And it's not a one size fits all. Some people experience different symptoms more than others, but definitely reach out, push them. There are several outpatient mental health options, everything from individual therapy to sitting down with a counselor and talking with them, sitting down and talking with someone about medications. There's group formats for either group therapy or generalized classes just to plain learn about mm -hmm. um, different assets like that. There's, they're even doing marriage counseling and whatnot now. Um, they also have peer support resources, which are people like myself who've gone through, who've gone through it. We can relate. It's a big thing I hear a lot. Well, I would talk to a doctor, but they're not going to understand. No one's mm -hmm. going under, to. Yeah. No one's going to understand my problem. Um, well, that's kind of been something that's been changed now with the peer support aspect. Um, so definitely, definitely get connected with uh, yeah. either the Tom VA or whichever VA you're closest to and around. We've got a local clinic here in La Crosse, mm -hmm. and. You know, the Tobo VA is not that far away. It's not. And if it's and too a far bus to there. you, then you can, you can call it. Yeah, and anyone else that may be moved by this, you don't have to be a vet, like I said. Maybe this seems to make more sense to you than, or to your situation, than to um, other things you've heard before. But there are definitely resources for anyone and everyone out there to get help. Mental health awareness has taken a turn in this country, and people are wanting to help. People are wanting to know more. I'm sitting here doing this to, to kind of educate and talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's not a hush-hush subject anymore. Um, I, I made the statement a week or two ago that no one walks away from the military unscathed. They have... They have something going on, and to be fair, I, I don't think most people in general go through life without, without something that maybe they haven't resolved. Could be tiny, could be big, who knows, but there's a lot of options that people haven't thought of, so I guess that's the biggest thing that I want to say to everyone is just reach out. 